Hello? Hey, I'm here. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good, just finishing up eating. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Well, what's for dinner? Uh, I have a uh, chicken sandwich. Oh, okay. Yep, and a little side salad. Sounds good. Uh-huh. How's your day today? Nice, nice and healthy. It's okay. Do anything special? No, no, nothing special. Um, you know, waiting for them to finish my car. Oh, okay. So they said they said it should be ready tomorrow. Man. So, so, so then I'll have transpo. <laughs> Definitely, so. definitely. Yep. So, um, how are we going to do this? Are you going to start it off by introducing us? or? Well, people, this is my dad, uh, Fred, a.k.a. Uh, Big Poppy, a.k.a. Big Daddy, Choco. <laughs> and then I'm his son, the, the handsome one, a.k.a. Prince Charming. AKA all the ladies want his gravy. Got to get in trouble. Well, well hey, <laughs> I, I, how's everybody out there doing today? <laughs> um, you know, you listen to um, Fred Earl's son, and you know he, he failed to say that he got his good looks from his father. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think so, they I think they can look and see. Well, yeah, they, they could always look at and look at you and say, "Well, you know, he gonna look like his father because he look like his father right now." <laughs> Anyways, so so did you watch the playoff games? Yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I did. I I suffered through watching the Patriots win, <laughs> and I I suffered through watching the uh, Minnesota Vikings get spanked. From the end zone to end zone, man. So, so let's let's break that game down first. Uh, the Minnesota game, yeah. Minnesota. Okay, let's break that down. Um, well, for me, I really thought the. I mean, because you know we're we're Cowboys fans, so I was kind of rooting for the Vikings because uh, I'm not trying to see the Eagles win nothing. Um, but at the same time. It's kind of a cool story to see the backup QB, Foles, who I'm not a big fan of, but he's actually, like, galvanizing the team. And they put a spanking on the Vikings. Well, they um, – the Vikings um, – the Vikings showed up, but I think they left their hearts in Minnesota. Weren't they, uh, weren't they in Minnesota? Were they, or they were playing in uh, Philadelphia, they were, huh? They were playing in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Um just to throw out some numbers and we could see why it was a true spanking. Um, the Eagles had 456 yards of total offense compared to 333 for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, wow. Um, the Eagles had 34 minutes time of possession compared to the Vikings 25 minutes time of possession. 
Um, the turnovers was about even, but the biggest factor in the game outside of yards was Minnesota had three turnovers and the Eagles had none. Mm, yeah, you're not gonna win if you if you don't win the turnover battle. Eighty-eight percent of the time, you're gonna lose. Exactly, and that's why they have four hundred and fifty-six more yards because they had three more time of possessions than. Minnesota. Oh, okay. And I also think um, the stage might have been a little bit too big for Case Keenum. Oh, that was my that was my, be my question to you. Do do you do you think that Case Keenum is somebody that the Vikings can win with? Um, you know, the, it, it's it's interesting that you ask that question because the same question was presented on. Uh, Fox pregame show, is he a franchise quarterback? Uh-huh. And I have to agree with what um, Michael Strahan said when he said, no, he's not. This is a quarterback who's bounced around the league who I believe um, four or five different teams. And he, for some reason, honed his craft with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh huh. How did he hone the craft? Uh, I can't. I cannot say that has a ton of weapons for him to work with because a couple of the weapons he had to work with came into their own this year. Yeah, like Stephon Diggs. Stephon and Diggs. That and running back, McKinnison, I think his name is. McKinnon. Um. I think what helped out Case Keenum this year is he had a defense that allowed him to have the ball more than his opponents had the ball, mm-hmm. which allowed him to do a lot more offensively. And you know, as I know, once you get a little bit of confidence behind you, you could really go on a roll. Definitely. They on a roll. Um, Will he be the quarterback next year? It's hard to say. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings um, are going to be in for some decisions in the offseason because their top three quarterbacks are all free agents. And that's Sam Bradford, Keenum, and um, Teddy Bridgewater, right? Correct. The only one they have under contract is the rookie they drafted this past last year's draft. But, but that's a pretty young defense, right? And they have some young weapons on the offensive side of the ball. They are a young team. Um, the defense could only get better. Uh, but Minnesota typically is not a high-spending team. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting how the quarterback – position breaks down. Do you keep Teddy Bridgewater and hope he can develop into something similar uh, to what Case Keenum did this year? Do you keep Case Keenum sign him to a large contract and you realize he was a one-year wonder? Or do you sign a Sam Bradford who has been injured Ever since he's been in the NFL, yeah. No, Sam Bradford needs to sit, 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 he needs to go do something else. 
Sam Bradford needs to be a quarterback coach for a team. Yeah, yeah, or go be a lacrosse coach or something. Something yeah. where he don't got to really do a lot of movement with his knees. Cause... Or, or better yet, just stay home and be a dad. <laughs> sit down all day because every time he stands up and walks, he gets injured. Yeah, and Lord, and everybody knows he got paid enough to go sit down somewhere and just chill. Yes, he he, he got paid a ton of money to do absolutely nothing in the NFL. <laughs> well, do you, do you think Bridgewater is still a starting caliber quarterback? I I believe he is a starting caliber quarterback. If we break it down as to is he a franchise quarterback or is he a a serviceable quarterback? Right now, I would have to say he's serviceable. Mm -hmm. Only because the years prior to him getting injured, he was just serviceable. Yeah. Now, because he's younger and he only had, I believe, two full seasons in the NFL before his injury, he he could possibly still develop and get better than what he is right now. Uh-huh. Uh, it's hard to say what type of Minnesota team this would have been if he had never got injured. I don't think they would have been a, um, a fourth squad. You don't think so? You think they would have won a little less? With Bridgewater at quarterback? Um... If if you just insert him at quarterback and everything else stays the same, I don't think he could have made some of the throws Case Keenum would have made during the course of the season. And some of the throws that Case Keenum made was key on third downs. Um, like red zone passes. Correct. Uh, so, so Case Keenum... As I stated, he put himself in a zone to where he has so much confidence. He was throwing passes that some quarterbacks might have shot away from throwing. Yeah. Um, and it could be that he has nothing to lose and everything to gain from the way he played. He was able to go out there and play more comfortable because of all the previous stops he has made, he had nothing to lose by just airing it out and being who you're being and don't worry about the pressure on, am I going to be here? You know, Especially when both your backup quarterbacks' knees are made out of uh, chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were both hurt. He's like, I got nobody else. You going to put a rookie in? Like, nah, I can just go out there and throw and not really have to, like you said, worry about, um, who's behind him, or worry about the consequences when you've been around so so long. Correct. So what about the Eagles? Well, the Eagles... Um, did, they, did they win that game, or did the Vikings lose that game? They absolutely won that game. Yeah? They absolutely won that game. Um, it's amazing how... As you stated at the top of the show, you and I are huge Cowboy fans. Uh-huh. It's amazing how the Eagles were able to come over adversity that the Cowboys cannot overcome this year. Which is missing key players. 
Well, not just a few. Um, the starting quarterback went out. Their, their left tackle was gone for the season, um, like the fourth or fifth game of the season. Uh-huh. They lost their middle linebacker. Um, they lost Terrence Sproles, didn't they? Well, they got rid of him before the season started. They they lost another back that they drafted. Uh, yeah, there was some. I knew they had a running. That's why they drafted for a Jaya Jay because there was yes. some running back they had yeah. lost. And they lost their kicker. Oh dang! So just just think of your left tackle, your quarterback, and your kicker. And your middle linebacker. Yes, those are all your middle linebacker calls your plays on defense. Your quarterback calls your plays on offense. Your left tackle protects your quarterback's blind side, and your kicker is your kicker. Forty-five, <laughs> fifty-yard field goals. Yeah, you out. So they were able to overcome all those injuries, and when you think of it, twenty-two out of twenty starters are all signed. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to have any turnover outside of maybe injury for starters next year. Okay. So so this team is built for the long term. And that defense wanted to show up yesterday. And that defense is built for the long term. Mm -hmm. So, and the quarterback will only get better you know, if he totally recovers from his knee injury next season on the field. Now, we could get into next season, you know, on further shows, but it all depends on when he comes back. Mm -hmm. Because we do have to realize he did hurt his knee in January. Yeah. I mean, in, in December, excuse me. So it depends on when he comes back. What do you think of that game? Do you think the Eagles are a team that could um, take down the Patriots? Well, I didn't get to watch the game. I just watched the highlights. But from what – I think they have the defense to do so. But uh, I think it's going to come down to, like, the second half. The Patriots are a second-half team. And I feel as though – I mean, we can do a super preview next week. But I, I feel as though uh, – the Patriots might win by like 25 points or more. You know, I, I think Foles is going to be Foles. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with my beloved son here. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, well, first, before we get into who, who we think might win that game, why don't we break down the Jags and Pats game? Yeah. The Jaguars lost that game. Um, I mean, I think the Patriots, the Patriots did the, what the Patriots do, and, and they, they waited for the other team to make mistakes. And they were in the second half, they were holding those drives to field goals instead of touchdowns. Um, but I think the Jaguars had a r- real chance to win it. I know a couple of plays went against them, like some fumble play that supposedly he could have ran back for a touchdown. Again, I didn't get to watch the game, I just saw the highlights. But um, the Jaguars had a chance. I just think that they they got out coached in the second half. Okay. Um watching the game, I'm not sure how much 
how much out that they did get. I believe, I mean, Bilicek, we could all, I think, concede that Bilicek is the best coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Bilicek's team, he prepares his team for any and all different situations that arise in the game. I think Jacksonville in the second half had a similar game plan that they had in the first half. Mm-hmm. But I think a little bit of air came out of their balloon at the end of the first half when they allowed the Pats to march downfield and score right before halftime. Yeah, which they're, which they're notorious for. They're and, notorious for scoring right before the half. Right. <laughs> but the thing that the thing that I think really got them, and when you're a young team and you get upset at certain aspects of the game because you're a young player in the NFL, a lot of times because you're upset or you're mad, you don't play as well. Uh-huh. You let it affect the way you play. And I think Jacksonville let it affect the way they played. Because in the last drive before halftime, Tom Brady and company had 85 yards to go. 47 of their 85 yards were penalties. Yep. Two pass interference penalties. Which to Uh, me, I thought they were justified. One I thought was justified and one I think could have went either way. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, as you stated, Brady does what Brady does. Um, when you play the New England Patriots, it's like a heavyweight boxing match. If you go back to the days of Muhammad Ali, who just sits there and he just jabs you every now and then and he waits for an opening. Yeah. Well, that's what Brady does. You know, during the game, he he he'd jab you a couple of times. And he waits for you to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He takes advantage of that mistake and drives his team downfield and win. He's a, uh, he's everybody a... thought the game was going to be over. Arkoski <coughs> went out with a concussion mm-hmm. and never came back. Everybody thought, "Oh, it's over! It's over! It's over!" But which, which is something to look look towards in the Super Bowl if Gronkowski is going to play. I'm sure he is, but it just depends on. What what is what they say today and tomorrow when it comes to his you know how his progression in the concussion protocol? Well, the good thing about it is they have two weeks exactly. So I would say he has a ninety nine percent chance of playing in two weeks. Uh huh. But then we have seen some players who get a concussion and they put them on IR because they just keep getting headaches. Rico gathers. Yes. <laughs> so, but, you know, if you look at the Jags game, this is how close this game, this game was. Total yard, Jacksonville 374, Patriots 344. Okay. Both teams had 22 first downs. Okay. Time of possession weighed in Jacksonville's favor, 35 minutes to 24 minutes. Penalties, and this is where the key. Jacksonville had six penalties for 98 yards. The Patriots had one penalty for 10 yards. Yep. 
Now, I know the players came out this way, and that's all they could harp on was the disparity in penalties. And it, it's a valid point. Um, I was talking to somebody else earlier, and they said, the media doesn't want the Patriots to lose. So was the pressure on the refs to uh, to favor New England somewhat in throwing these flags? I think, I think, I think, I think, determine. I think it's like one of those things where, like, I don't know if the referees were under pressure as much as that is. Like, if I think it's like refs who watch Michael Jordan play or Kobe play, or like you're watching greatness and you don't want to be the one to interrupt greatness, if that makes any sense. You know, you don't want to be the one to like. I don't know. I feel like refs are humans. So when you're sitting there refing the Patriots, you might have this bias where they they just don't make mistakes. So you're not even like looking <laughs> for the mistake. Well, <laughs> I, I I think you're on to something there because using your basketball analogy, Michael Jordan, Kobe, these players always got the benefit of the doubt. Always, offense and defensive side of the ball. Right. Um, but you have to establish that as a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you don't start off by getting them benefits early in your career. Yeah. You establish how you play. And if you don't change the way you play, you'll get the benefit of the doubt later on in your career. Yeah. Brady has established the way he plays. So now he gets benefit of the doubt. But that's just Brady. The pass interference calls had nothing to do with Brady. Well, I think I think Belichick gets the benefit of the doubt too for what he's established him as just the overall coach, or not even just Belichick. I think the Patriots establishment. It's like become like the Bulls were in nineteen ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, where it was like it was like you know it's the tail end of this dynasty, you know. But at the same time, they're 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 great. They always come to the to the field or and they're gonna play hundred percent. They don't make mistakes. That's what they're known for. So like I feel like they get that benefit of the doubt. Cause what the Patriots are known for is they're super well coached. They don't make mistakes. They're they're they run their play have like the same types of plays, but they run them in so many different formations because of the discipline. And so you I think when you hear that for like you said, ten years you get that benefit of the doubt from other people. It's like the refs are like not a hundred. They're, they're more concerned about, you know, is Brady going to get hit low and, you know, more than are they looking for holding? Well, that's correct. Because if you take this stat, for instance, so let me throw this question out to you. Uh huh. How many Super Bowls have the Patriots been to? Uh, seven. Right? Nine. Nine. God damn. This, okay. This would, be, this would be number 10. Oh, you're talking about total. Total, right? Total. Total. Okay, 10. Not okay. that they won, just how many have they been to? Yeah, I forgot all about – I'm not even thinking about before Brady and Bilicek, So <laughs> Yeah. So this will be number 10. Uh-huh. The next team in the NFL who's, who's uh, tied with them is the Cowboys and the Steelers mm-hmm. with eight appearances. Okay. Now, in the Brady and Belichick era, 
This will be Super Bowl number eight. Mm-hmm. Brady is five and two mm-hmm. in his tenure as quarterback of the New England Patriots. Uh huh. He's five and two. So if we could just let that soak in a minute, this team has had a remarkable run. Um, when you look at it, since Brady and Belichick got there, exactly. Definitely. They, they lost Super Bowl twenty. They lost Super Bowl thirty one. They won Super Bowl thirty six, thirty eight, and thirty nine. Lost forty two in Super Bowl forty six, but won Super Bowl forty nine and Super Bowl fifty one. Mm-hmm. So now they're heading to Super Bowl fifty two, mm-hmm. which they have a chance to get six Super Bowl rings. Mm -hmm. Now, if we look at the Eagles on the flip side of that coin, in the Eagles franchise history, they've been to one Super Bowl. That was against New England. (laughs) That was against New England in Super Bowl 39, where they lost 24 to 21. The Super Bowl I fell asleep during. Ah. (laughs) Freaking. So, now... To get back to your question, since we've gone over these teams, how do I think Philadelphia will fare? I'm actually picking Philadelphia. Yeah. Because if you go by the old adage, defense wins, this defense Philadelphia has is second to none. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, we know the Patriots' defense was not great during the course of the season, but they tend to step up at key moments. Yeah, we saw that last year in the Super Bowl. We saw that last year, and we saw it in the AFC Championship game this year. Mm -hmm. They step up in key moments. If you look at the... If you look at the dynamics of each team, and we have to say who's the wild card, uh-huh. I would say Nick Foles is. Because which Nick Foles are we going to get? Are we going to get the Nick Foles who played against Atlanta? Are we going to get the Nick Foles who played against Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Which Nick Foles are we going to get? The defense, they stepped up in both games. They shut down a high, high-scoring team like Atlanta, and they dismantled Minnesota. So this defense is going to be there. Can Nick Foles make the throws that he needs to make in order for this team to have success on Super Sunday? Mm. Mm. I don't know. I feel I. I, I... I personally believe unless the Eagles can get ahead early like they did against the Vikings and not necessarily behind Nick Foles' arm, but behind like a like a, a punt return for a touchdown or they somehow get a fumble recovery and take it to a, for a score. If they can get ahead early, I feel like that defense and, and the Eagles running game can hold it. But if it's close throughout the whole game, I don't see the Eagles pulling it away. Because I, I feel like, like we talked about before, 
The Patriots' defense and offense step up when they have to. You have to – you can't – it just seems like you can't be in a close game with the Patriots because they're going to figure out a way to win that. You're going to make a mistake, and they're going to win. I feel like the Eagles, if they want to win in the Super Bowl, they're going to have to, like, run the opening kickoff back, and then that defense is going to play hard, and then get some – you have to get some things to fall in your favor. If it's the, if it, if if you give me the same stats that the Jaguars just had against the Patriots, it's going to be the same outcome. If it's an equal game, you know what I mean. Like it's going to be the same outcome. That the Patriots are going to figure out a way to win in the end. But if it's like Eagles have 400 yards total against the Patriots, 198, then you have a you're up by two touchdowns in the fourth. Then I'm very confident that they can win that because of that well, defense and because of Nick Foles is seems to be able to make good quick passes well we have to remember this last year Atlanta's defense was just as dangerous in some sense uh-huh. not it's not as good as Philadelphia but just as dangerous and the <laughs> Patriots came back in the fourth quarter after being down by two touchdowns exactly and won it I agree with you if it's a close game if it's a close game that's what you don't want against Brady in the last in the last four minutes of a game. Mm-mm. What you want is to be up by two touchdowns. But if we if we take a page out of the book of what Atlanta did last year, or what or better yet, what Atlanta didn't do last year, uh-huh. Atlanta tried to play conservative when they got up. Yeah. Exactly. You, can't, you 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 have to keep punching New England in the mouth in a sense when you get up. You can't just stand back and run away from them if you use a boxing metaphor. You cannot run away from them in the ring if you get up and say don't hit me, don't hit me, or I'm going to run away from your punch. Mm-hmm. You keep coming at them and you got to keep jabbing and punching them because that's the only way that you're going to take a team's spirit away, especially a team who's been to, the, been to the big dance as much as the New England Patriots have. Uh-huh. You have to take their spirit away. And the only way to take their spirit away is to get up on them but keep punching them. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't keep punching them, Brady's going to get up off the carpet and he's going to pick you apart offensively. See my my wild card for the Eagles. I shouldn't say. I mean, I can say wild card or just the key person is going to be uh, Alshon Jeffrey for me. Like he has to show up big. Like he showed up big this past game, but it was blown coverage and you know a nice little red zone pass. But he's going to have to get open for Foles a lot because I don't see. I don't see the Patriots giving up those quick slants that they were doing this past game. Like the Patriots are going to force Foles to throw out on the edges and down the middle of the field. Like these quick passes, I see them taking it away. Just like well, I, see I see them taking away the run. I see them blocking up the whole box and forcing Foles to go over top. And they, they take those chances with their corners against those receivers. I agree with you. I think both teams have excellent tight ends mm-hmm. that their offense actually funnels through because uh, Ertz 
led Philadelphia in uh, catches and yardage this year. Mm-hmm. So you have two tight ends who love to catch over the middle, and they could go vertical on you. So I think both teams are going to try to take the tight ends away and make the quarterbacks throw to other players. Yeah. Now, the reason I said Nick Foles, excuse me, is the wild card because Brady has been able to do that because Gronkowski has missed so much time. Uh Uh-huh. So Brady has been able to do that. I don't know if Nick Foles could do this. If this was Carson Wentz in here, I would say, yes, he can. Uh Uh-huh. But I think Nick Foles relies on Ertz a lot. Now, they do have other weapons that he could throw to. Um, And he's going to have to rely on these guys to step up. Yeah, and, and that's big asking some, you know, asking that from Alshon Jeffrey and uh, um, who's the guy, Tory Smith. Well, I don't think it's much asking from Alshon Jeffrey. They seem Nick Foles seems to not be able to get Tory Smith involved. Uh huh. And then you got Aguilar, who he hasn't been able to really get involved either. And those are to me, those are your two wild cards right there. Torrey Smith and Aguilar, if you could get them involved, you're going to open up Ertz and Ashawn Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. The flip side with New England, New it, Brady gets everybody involved anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, um, and you one thing, one thing, you I got th- Amadello. Everybody thought, everybody thought New England was going to kind of fall off this year. When uh, Edelman got hurt, and they haven't missed the beat. Exactly. That's because you have a quarterback who loves to spread the ball, and he doesn't favor any one receiver. Exactly. And if you notice, one thing I noticed about the Patriots, it's like it's always the it's always the little things that that make the difference, right? And like when you watch the Patriots, their receivers every single time. Every single play, every single receiver runs their route 100%. And that's – people think that, oh, that's what receivers are supposed to do. But receivers know if the ball's not designated to come to me, I might not run this full route. You know what I mean? Or I'm not going to – if Tom Brady's rolling out to the right and I'm on the left side, I don't – I can. this might be my playoff. <laughs> but, well, but the Patriots, that discipline, that's why – his, he's able to be so successful with these no-name receivers is because they, they, these receivers know going in there. Every route I'm running, I have to run 100%. And, t- and no matter if I don't touch the ball in the first quarter or the second quarter or the third quarter, fourth quarter, I still better be ready because we've been setting, but, up, we've been setting up this play all game. You know what I mean? That's, you know, that's kind of how they, they operate. They run plays in the beginning to separate plays or to, you know, the setup plays from the next the next half. Oh. I I agree with you. A lot of times you have receivers, and if you have a quarterback who favors a certain target most of the time, uh huh. When they break that huddle and they're running whatever pass play they decide to run, and they know the primary target in that pass in that passing situation is the number one receiver. 
the number two receiver, the slot receiver, might not run their route at 100% accurate. Exactly. Now, when you get to the Patriots, Brady is telling them guys, run your pattern because you never know when you're going to get the ball. Exactly. And they know that if they're open, he's going to find them because he has great vision and he has great understanding of what a defense plans to do to him that he knows when he snaps the ball, who's going to be open. Mm -hmm. So um, he has a great gift as a quarterback. Um, So it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game. You have to confuse Brady (coughs) to win. Oh, you're gonna have. They're gonna have. They, they, the Eagles, better be watching all the tape from the Giants, both Giants Super Bowls. <laughs> just, just be replaying those tapes over and over and over again. That defensive line is gonna have to pin their ears back because one thing I don't, the one thing that the Patriots don't necessarily have consistently, consistently, is a run game. So I would, if I was the Eagles, I would be. I would be forcing the Patriots to try to get a running game. You know what I mean? I would, I would, I would, I would have Brady check into a lot of run plays and then rally to the ball. I would do that instead of, you know, giving him one-on-one coverage or man coverage. I would just be like, here, run the ball, (laughs) run the ball. I want you to beat me with James White and whoever else running backs they have over there. Not let Tom Brady get into a rhythm. Not let him just sit back there and and just pick pick apart defenses. Because what they like well, they like to do a lot of that picking play stuff. You know what I mean? I feel like the Eagles can stop that if they just focus on the pass and just let and make the Patriots just run the ball. I don't I don't believe in those running backs. Well, I don't have. Um... A tremendous amount of, uh, I won't say respect. I don't have a tremendous amount of um, confidence in the Patriots running back. Uh-huh. But what I will say is if you put too much effort in trying to stop the passing game, them running backs do have the ability to do some damage for you. Definitely. Definitely. So, like you, think, like, um, like, you, like you were saying, you got to confuse Brady. I would just want Brady to be checking into more runs than checking out of runs and going into passes. That would be my that would be my thing. Like I would I would for I would want Brady to look up front and see that you know there's oh there might be space to run and then you just rally to the ball rather than box, you know setting people in the box and having Brady check out of runs into passes. That's where he's that's where he excels is at the line of scrimmage. So you have to confuse him, and I will be trying to force him into running the ball more. Like third well, and four, third and four, I would have six DBs on the field and have them playing off a little bit. Make Brady think, like, oh, should I run this play? Instead of having Brady throw on third and four. He still might throw it, and then you're, and then you're, and then you're in position to stop it. Well, the best way to stop New England is you have to get pressure with your front four. Exactly. And have seven guys in coverage. If you could have pressure with your front four, you could beat Brady. Yep. And, and maybe every now and then throw in a linebacker blitz. 
but I think the way the Patriots run their offense, their offense is like a running game. Uh-huh. Because – Yeah, it's a, lot, because, a lot of extended passes. Because Brady doesn't mind throwing a, a four and out or a five and out. He doesn't it's mind extended, doing that. It's just an extended handoff pretty much. Exactly. So you have to be able to put pressure on Brady with your front four, drop a lot of guys in coverage. But if you're going to rush four, you have to get you have to make Brady uncomfortable in the pocket because uh-huh. if you don't, then receivers will get open and Brady will find him. And with his pinpoint accuracy, will throw a ball that most other quarterbacks would not attempt to throw. Yeah. I mean, Brady, Brady said something not too long ago because they were asking him, you know, you're 40 years old, you know, why don't you stop? And he was like, when you finally, when you finally beat the test and understand all the answers on the test, why would you not take it to get 100%? He was like, I kind of like, I've been playing so long, I, I, I pretty much see what the defense does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have the answers to pretty much all the questions. So why would I not play? Yeah, because that's if, like, if you have the answers to the question, you never have to scramble to try to figure it out. So exactly. he has all the answers. All he has to do is sit in the pocket and not get touched. He can play it <laughs> exactly. for the four or five years. Exactly. And that's, what he, that's why he's, you know, he's always on his offensive line. It's like, just give me time. I'll find somebody open. Yeah. Give, give me some receiver off the street. Because, you, because you know, we know you're a coach and I, I played and you played. You can't guard nobody for more than seven seconds on the field. Exactly. It's just one of those, it's one of those things that's just hard to do. And let alone, like, these quick receivers they have, it's like four seconds. So you give him Brady four or five seconds every time, it's, a, it's impossible to stop that team. Because you have a big target like Gronk, and you have all these little quick receivers that's just hard to stay next to. You're absolutely right. So, For sure. So next week we can talk about who your pick is going to be. For sure, we'll do our picks. Maybe get into some NBA talk if there if there if anything big happens. But it's still not the still not the NBA season just yet. <laughs> True. So um, for these last few minutes we have, let's get into uh, coaching changes that have uh, transpired since the season has ended. All right. So um... so we have. These teams who are looking for coaches, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Bears, the Colts, and the Lions. And as Say that list one more time for me. We have the Raiders, the Titans. The Raiders the have a coach. Oh, you say, okay, you're talking about new coaching changes. I'm sorry. I'm about to yeah, talking the, about uh, open, open positions. Well, I'm going across all the teams – that had an opening, then we'll get into the ones who have got a replacement already and the ones who haven't. Okay. So the Raiders had an open position. The Titans, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Bears, the Colts, and the Lions. Okay. Now, so far, the Raiders have hired Gruden. The Titans have hired Brabrol. Brabrol. I can't even pronounce his name. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> okay. With defensive coordinator of the Texans. And he's the a coach Car- for who? The Cardinals? The, the, the Titans. Titans. Okay. The Cardinals hired Steve Wilkes, who was the defensive coordinator with the Panthers. Okay. The Giants came over the wire today, hired 
Shermer, who was the offensive coordinator with the Vikings. Okay. The Bears have signed Matt Nagy. Okay. The Lions have um, hired Patricia, who is the defensive coordinator of the Pats. Okay. And the rumor is the Colts is going to hire Josh Josh Daniels. Josh McDaniels? Yeah, the, the uh, offensive coordinator of the Pats. Man, he is like – he is like – Paul Pierce in his last year, like, how does he keep getting a job? I keep hearing his name. Is he that good of a coach? Well, because I, I hear bad things about him, I hear good things about him. I hear that well, you, he can't win. Then well, I hear that he's a good coach. I don't, I don't know the thing about him. Well, you have to remember, this is the same coach who coached the Denver Broncos and who drafted Tim Tebow. Yep, that's what it was <laughs> in the first round. Right. <laughs> So his stint, his stint in Denver was not that successful, but he's a good college coach. That's what it is, and a good well, coordinator, he, I hear. Well, he's the offensive coordinator with the pa- Patriots. Okay. So, is his success all of Brady, or did he develop Brady, or did Brady develop him, or is or is Bill Belichick the mastermind behind all these guys? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but he's supposed to be the one in line to take the Colts job. Okay. So, out of all of these guys that that we just named, the only one that I have, and it's hard to say problem with, but the only one that I that I raise my eyebrow at is the Raiders with Gruden. Yeah, that that that's the one I raise my eyebrows at too. Like, and all these people over here talking about what well, he used to be a coach. Well, that was ten years ago. The NFL is a different NFL now. Not to say he can't do it, just for the for a ten year, hundred million dollar contract for somebody who's been just on, who's been commentating and doing these quarterback meetings. Like, and he won a Super Bowl with a team that he didn't build. Like. I mean, there is credit for the fact that the team that he did build went to the Super Bowl without him there. So that's something to say. But at the same time, I just think I, me personally, I don't see where the hype is at with this guy with John Gruden. I just don't see it. Well, he did. He did build a very good team with Oakland. But I think the problem that I have with this hiring is the way Oakland went about hiring him and in in which I believe they circumvented the Rooney rule in the NFL by not giving a minority a better shot at landing the job. Yeah. Now, when you look at all the evidence surrounding this, on Christmas Eve, Mark Davis came out and said that after his discussion with Gruden, he felt Gruden was on board with becoming the next head coach. So the following week, he fires Del Rio and hires Gruden. Now, they did interview two minority candidates. Uh-huh. 
but they interviewed those minority candidates when Mark Davis said that he basically had an agreement in place with Gruden. Uh-huh. So to me, you never gave a minority a chance to really show what he can do because you interviewed two individuals and excuse my language, who didn't have a snowball's chance in hell of even getting the job. Yeah. You hired, uh, you hired, you interviewed your tight ends coach on the Raiders. He didn't have a chance. And you interviewed the offensive coordinator with USC, who didn't have a chance. Uh huh. You know they didn't have a chance. So that's where I have a problem with the hiring. As far as can he coach, I will say this. He did a great job with Oakland. He has a Super Bowl ring. Although we got to put an asterisk by that Super Bowl ring. I mean, in our minds, we put an asterisk by that Super Bowl ring because that was Tony Dungy's team. Yeah. Granted, he won it. More props to him. I'm happy for him. He has a ring to flaunt. But we have to temper our expectations on what he can do because he has never coached in the salary cap era. Uh-huh. And most coaches will tell you the salary cap era is harder than coaching. Oh, the salary cap era was uh, uh, was um, after John Gruden was coaching? Yes. My 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 you know playing devil's advocate. If now of course in my eye in most people's eye John Gruden is not Bill Belichick right, but say right. say Bill Belichick, you know retired from the Patriots this year, took two years off, and then he had now said he wanted to coach again or you know or not even that say he took two takes two years off and then you hear that. The Dolphins um, are looking into hiring Bill Belichick. And then Bill Belichick comes out and says, I want to coach for the Dolphins. Would you blame the Dolphins for going half-ass about hiring different coaches when you have the chance, when Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches to ever coach, already wants to come on your team? And you're pretty much already determined that I'm going to hire this guy. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to go about circumventing rules. And I'm quite sure teams do it all the time. Mm -hmm. You could have in your mind, I'm going to hire this guy, but because of the Rooney rule, I have to interview minorities. Yeah. The thing is, you keep your mouth shut and don't say anything. That part. (laughs) That part. If you want to circumvent something, you you just go about the process and then at the end of the day, you hire who you want to hire. Yeah. But you can't put a you can't put something in place, an agreement in place, and then say, okay, we got an agreement, everything's a go, but we got to satisfy this Rooney rule, so we'll inter- interview two minority candidates. And then you interview two minority candidate candidates who, as I stated, has does not have a snowball's chance in hell of even getting your job. Uh-huh. Because of the positions they held prior. If you want to make it legitimate, then you go out there and hire you some coordinators or a head coach. I mean, interview coordinators or a head coach from college. 
you know, mm-hmm. to show that you're serious. But, you know, Dallas, in a sense, did the same thing back when Parcells came on. Jerry Jones wanted to hire Parcells because he needed a coach with a name. Mm. So he interviewed minorities, even though everybody knew he wanted Parcells, and brought him in. So there's a way to do it. You just keep your mouth closed and go about your business. So Gruden is there. So let me ask you this question. Out of all these teams that I named, which team would be the most appealing to you to be a head coach of? So we had the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Titans. You said the Giants, right? Yes. Um, Bears, Colts, and Lions. Bears, Colts, and Lions. I probably would... I would think, hmm, it would either be the 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 Colts position or the Titans position for me, and that's because one, that division is a little bit easier, <laughs> right? As of right now, you have you might have a better chance of turning your your luck around in that division. Um, I mean, the Titans won the division this year, right? But. Yeah, they weren't that good. Of, they weren't one of the top teams. So there's they're still a young team. Both teams have still quarterbacks that are thirty or under. And um, and I, and I think both team. I think the Titans have a good defense in place or a good young defense in place, and the Colts have a lot of pieces that you can that you can work with that are that are young. So I mean. The Cardinals quarterback position is suspect. You got the you have to get a quarterback. Uh the Raiders, I think, is a intriguing pick too, because they have a quarterback that just came off a year of MVP talk. He had an off year this year. But I think they need better receivers. Um, I think they need a, a better better offensive weapons for that quarterback to succeed. Um so those would be my three picks Raiders, Titans, and Colts. Um, I think if I'm looking at this, the Lions are a good pick too. But you got to play against the Vikings and the Green Bay twice. Well, if I'm looking at this, I think my top two teams would be the Raiders and Titans. Uh huh. Um, those are my top two because I think those teams have pieces in place. They both have young quarterbacks. Um, the Titans have a running game and they got a defense. The Raiders could get them a legitimate young running back and maybe another offensive target for Carr with what Gruden can do offensively. Uh-huh. They could be a dangerous team. The Cardinals need a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and, the and, Giants, they play, and they play in a hard division too. Those Rams, Seahawks, and the Niners are, are on the upswing. Correct. Uh, the Giants need a quarterback. Matt Nagy with the Bears is going to have his hands full because I think his career path will go as Trubisky's career path goes. Uh huh. The Colts, the Colts is intriguing because they have the offensive weapons, but it's 
it's now you have to look at Andrew Luck's health. Can his health, his health is going to be a big factor. I would trade him. Would you trade him? No, I would not trade him because you're going to have, nobody's going to pick up damaged goods unless they look at his medical reports and think that he's going to be 100% healthy. But if, if another team does that, why wouldn't you as the team who have him keep him if you know he's going to be 100% healthy? Maybe, I mean, this is just me. I think I think Luck is as good as Case Keenum. I don't think I don't think Luck is any better than Carson Palmer right now. I mean, he hasn't shown again, he played in a weaker division. So his first three years, you know, he made the playoffs, then went to the uh went to the divisional round, then went to the AFC championship. So he looked as though he was getting better. I just don't see him as as a, a, a top-tier quarterback or even a second-tier quarterback. I think he's in the middle of the bunch with the Case Keenums and the, and the Blake Bortles of the world. And so, but, but because he's Andrew Luck and he was a number one pick and he was supposed to be the prototypical quarterback, the next John, Elroy, next John Elway, you might be able to trade him for a number one, a number, a first-round pick to, like, say, to, like, the Cardinals a team that just needs a quarterback and they're a quarterback away. And if you, if you're the Colts who can get two first round picks, you may, you know, I don't know what the quarterback like coming out, but you might be able to get that running back and a defensive piece. And then, and then maybe next year going to looking for a quarterback, but you got to win now in the NFL. So you don't have time to do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but well, it is a win now league, and I think the one thing, the one thing that we have to look at when we look at Andrew Luck is how much of it is his fault and how much of it is the organization's fault. And I would put more blame on the organization than I would him. That's fair. And. And the reason I say that is because this guy has been beat up more than any other quarterback in the league during the time he's been there. Mm-hmm. He has been sacked more than any quarterback in the league in his tenure there. He has never had a defense that can do anything for him, and his offensive line is like a sieve. Mm-hmm. So – Indianapolis has done a very poor job, in my opinion, of, number one, protecting Andrew Luck and putting the defense out on the field that will help him. They've done a good job by putting offensive weapons around him. Mm-hmm. But what good does it do to have good offensive weapons when you can't stand straight up most of the time because your offensive line is getting you killed? And they, they they still can't seem to get a running back either. No, they still can't seem to get a running back. So I would keep Andrew Luck. I would just, as an organization, you have to make a commitment to getting offensive linemen to keep this guy upright. To make him, you know, 
just so he could show his full potential. He still throws for over four thousand yards and getting sacked fifty times a year. <laughs> Very true. So think of what he could do. His interceptions might go down, and also the offense might not be as tired. You know, because teams are running up and down the field on your defense. So he's he he in essence has to pass a lot because he's always playing catch up. Mm-hmm. So you figure this he's been in the league. He's played um he came in the league in 2012. So he has 132 touchdown passes to 68 interceptions. So that's a two to one ratio. Mm-hmm. Which is really which is pretty good. Yes, it's pretty good. Um he's passed for forty three hundred yards, thirty eight hundred yards, forty seven hundred yards, forty two hundred yards, and in two thousand and fifteen he only played seven games and passed for eighteen hundred yards. Mm-hmm. So He's on his game. The problem that I have is his interceptions, 18, 9, 16, 12, and 13. So if you're going to put him in the upper echelon of quarterbacks as an Aaron Rodgers, as a Drew Brees, and as a Tom Brady, he needs to drop the interceptions down to single digits. Mm -hmm. But keep up your touchdown ratio. And I think a lot of that is the ball comes out faster than he wants it to come out because he's constantly running for his life. Mm-hmm. So I would not get rid of Andrew Luck. I would just put weapons around him and maybe even better coaching. And, you know, McDaniels might be able to give him the better coaching that he needs. That could be true. So... Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. But it seems that our time has run out for this segment. Oh, first episode in the books. So next week we could talk, we could uh, we could put our predictions in for the Super Bowl and maybe talk about some, some you know, the new happenings in basketball, the, um, the possible demise of the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, the possible unseating of the Golden State Warriors, possibly by the Houston Rockets, and and all the maybe, all the fights going on in the NBA. <laughs> yes, and maybe touch a little bit up on uh, Major League Baseball. Has camps are starting to open around the league? For sure, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. I got to catch up on baseball. You know me; I don't watch it. But okay, I'll, 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 you know I'll, I'll defer to you when it comes to the baseball. <laughs> okay, all right, Dad. All right, son. I love you. We're, we are out, and uh, we hope everybody enjoys the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy it. You guys are here soon. Until then, my dad. Peace out. Peace out. This was my dad, and this was the sexier one, the son. Talk to you later. All right. <laughs> <laughs> See you later.